0: This morning I have a single goal. I would like to teach you. Yes, I would like to teach you how to read and pray a psalm in Christ. And not only teach you how, but even to show you how. To show you how to read and pray and appreciate a psalm in Christ. So that you can be more familiar, more confident, and more inclined to turn to the psalms. Especially in your moment of need. Uh, actually, whether you find yourself broken or in joy, confident or scared, at rest or restless in your life, either way. And with that goal in mind, let us begin. The last time I prayed Psalm 16 in public, I was preaching for licensure at Presbytery. As I prepared to preach that day, I remembered... Being scared that I would be scared. Nervous that I would be nervous. And when I say that, I think some of you guys know what I mean. I was nervous about preaching in front of so many learned men of God, because the room is truly full of them. So before I began to preach, I prayed Psalm 16 to set the Lord always before me at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Even at my right hand that I might not be shaken. If you're around me long enough, you're bound to notice an essential tremor in my hands. It's such a small thing in the grand scheme of things, and yet it's always with me, always reminding me that I am shaken, that I'm spiritually shaken in this world. You see, my hands, they shake because... um, Because I was an addict at the age of 12, and I didn't think I would live past 20 at the time, much less grow up to have a wife and children. As a young child, my hands were quite steady, but since then, not so much. So my shaky hands, they act as a kind of memorial, you see. They preach to my heart, and they do it without ceasing. They never stop. They preach to the spiritual truth of the matter, that in this life I have not always set the Lord before me, but that what life, with what life remains for me, I must always set the Lord before me, that I would not be shaken. Ten years ago, believe it or not, I discovered this psalm by accident. At the time, I was frustrated about my hands, about spilling things and dropping things and breaking things, which my kids will tell you dad does all the time. And when I do it, uh, sometimes I end up taking it out on my family, which really bothers me. So I decided to search the scriptures, and this was years back, right? Right? To see if they said anything about shaky hands. Shaky hands of all things. Now how silly is that? Searching for shaky passages with shaky hands. And yet the Spirit smiled upon me in all my foolishness. And he introduced me to Psalm 16. A psalm that I would argue is some of his finer work. And it's a psalm that's about far more than shaky hands. Full disclosure... This psalm is my favorite. Hands down, no questions asked. In fact, it may be my favorite chapter in all the Bible, which is a crazy thing to say because the Bible is full of good chapters. So you must be wondering, why Psalm 16? This chapter of all the chapters. What's so special about this psalm? Well, let me show you this morning. First, the psalm opens with an honest cry. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. This is a call, a cry for protection, like a child who wakes from a nightmare or from the thunder outside and cries out for help. This is how we cry when the threat is upon us, is it not? When the threat is upon us and we have no time for pretense. Such honesty reminds me of all the times that I've found myself scared and in the dark. Scared of dangers without and within. And I'm reminded of all those times that I had nowhere else to cry but to my heavenly Father. I read on. And in verse 3, I find a beautiful expression of love for you. Love for the saints, the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. And I'm reminded of all the times I struggled and didn't feel like going to church. But I went anyways and stayed long after the service was over. Talking. Just talking. Talking to the saints. And I see many of you doing that very thing as well. For they are the excellent ones in whom is all our delight. In verses 4 and 5, I see the cup of life and the cup of death. And they are full to the brim with strong drink. One increases my sorrows, and the other fills me with joy. I'm reminded of Paul who says, there are only two cups in this world. The cup of God and the cup of demons. And I'm reminded that I can't drink from both. And so I must choose the cup of life or the cup of death. Like Christ, you see, the demons have prepared for me a table, and they earnestly desire to share it with me. But the Spirit reminds me, the Lord is my chosen portion. He holds my cup, my life, my lot, and in Him I have a beautiful inheritance. In verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, the Lord who instructs my heart at night. The Lord who at the end of a long day illuminates my heart with his word if I don't fall asleep watching TV. And then I come to verse 8, that I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken. But as I pray, I feel my hands begin to tremble, tremble and tremor. And the words on the page begin to shake. And I remember all the times that my soul wavered and is shaken. And I come to realize the truth of the matter. That even though Psalm 16 is my favorite, it really doesn't belong to me. It's a beautiful plea and promise to be sure. But by rights, it belongs to somebody else. Our Bible tells us that David wrote Psalm 16. The subtitle tells us it's a mictum of David. A mictum is a rare word, one that we're not quite sure of. Some say it describes the way the psalm was sung in its day. But mictum shares root meanings with the words gold and memorial. Mictum of David can mean that Psalm 16 was one that he treasured. Maybe this was one of his favorite psalms. Or maybe the psalm was a kind of memorial for David a psalm commemorating a time that he was hard-pressed, like Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. David often found himself in need of refuge, protection from those who ran after other gods and sought his life. Maybe he wrote Psalm 16. Maybe he wrote it while he was on the run from Saul, from Saul, a trusted friend who had betrayed him. Or maybe he's speaking about facing Goliath. A towering foe that was looking to pour out his blood on the battlefield. Maybe Psalm 16 recounts how David felt while he was running from the Philistines. A threatening culture, an entire culture that was out to consume him. Maybe he's writing about the loss of his child. A child he never got to know. Or maybe he's talking about fleeing Absalom a rebellious child bent on destroying his house. Whatever the case may be, we know David wrote Psalm 16 and that his life fits between the lines. That is, until we get to verse 9. There the psalmist says, "'My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption.'" You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand pleasures forevermore. This is resurrection language, is it not? Words spoken by one who has died and not seen corruption. Words spoken by one who has walked the path from death to life and dwells now forever in the blessed presence of our heavenly Father. No doubt David believed and found comfort in these strange, mysterious words. But the scriptures tell us, David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. So how can this be his resurrection? How can this psalm rightly belong to him? Peter asks the same question on the day of Pentecost, just 50 days after Jesus was killed. In Acts 2, he says, Brothers, I know with confidence that our patriarch David both died and was buried, and that his tomb is with us to this day. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Peter noticed what we noticed, that even though David wrote Psalm 16, it doesn't belong to him. Not entirely. Because King David died. And he's still waiting for the resurrection of his body. He's still waiting for the Lord to exalt his Lord, his Lord over all his enemies. For this very reason, David calls, uh, Peter calls David a prophet. He says, David spoke not of himself, but of a king who was to come. Peter explains the concept in greater detail in his first epistle. There he says, the prophets of old searched and inquired carefully. They sought the face of God, searching for the one who would come, the one who would suffer and be glorified. Peter says the Spirit told them the truth that the prophets were not serving themselves. They were not fulfilling their own words in their own day, but instead they were given words for a day to come. David knew he would die. He knew he would die. He knew he would fall short of the resurrection that God told him about. And yet, he wrote these words down and took comfort in them all the same. And in so doing, David saw and spoke of one who was to come, one who would take refuge in the Lord, one who would know no good apart from his heavenly Father's goodwill, one who would revere. Revere the saints in the land, the excellent ones in whom his heart would be well pleased. One who would earnestly desire to share the cup of life at his table and behold his beautiful inheritance. One who would heed the Lord's counsel and not be shaken, even in the face of certain death. One who would die and lay in a tomb and not see corruption one who would walk the path of life and ascend into the clouds and take everlasting joy in his Father's goodwill. In Jesus, in Jesus, the good news is proclaimed, that all the old promises speak of him, and that in him all the old promises will be kept, especially the resurrection. For he is the one, that true and greater David, who died and was raised from the dead, And those baptized in him will be raised in him, just as he was raised. For those baptized into his name have been baptized into his death. And since we're buried with the one who died and was raised, we too will be raised, body and soul. Which means, in him, the hope of Psalm 16 belongs to us too. In him, the promise of resurrection in this psalm, belongs to us, too, even as it belonged to Christ in his moment of us utmost need, even as it belonged to Christ as he was hard-pressed in the garden. Which brings us to our application, the part where we learn to live out our baptism in him. If we're baptized in Christ and the hope of the Psalms belongs to him, then the hope of the Psalms belongs to us, too. And in the Psalms, and if the Psalms are ours in Christ, then we must learn to read and pray the Psalms in him. We must learn to find him, to search for him and find him in these songs of need and hope. For in reading and praying the Psalms in him, we rediscover him, him in our time of need. And in rediscovering him, we rediscover our only hope in life and in death. We rediscover our gladness. We rediscover what it means to rejoice when we find him in these lines. And in him we dwell secure. For he was not abandoned to Sheol, and he did not see corruption. In him we rediscover the path of life. And in his face there is fullness of joy. And in his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Let us pray. Preserve us, O God, for in Christ we take refuge. With David we say he is our Lord. Apart from him we have no good in this world. As for the saints in his kingdom, they are the excellent ones in whom is all our delight. The sorrows of those who run after demons shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood we will not pour out. Or take their names on our lips. For Christ is our chosen portion. He is the cup that we bless at his table. For in him we have a beautiful inheritance. We bless his spirit who gives us counsel. And instructs our hearts in the depths of the night. He has set you always before him Lord. And is seated at your right hand unshaken. Therefore our hearts are glad. And our souls rejoice. Our bodies dwell secure, for you did not abandon him to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. In him you have made known to us the path of life, for in his face there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Amen.